you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling None whatsoever. Zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy. Six, if I'm not mistaken. The Taliban is not the, South, the North Vietnamese Army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. That's right. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years. Well, welcome to the Ruthless Variety program. Uh, I don't even know how to begin with this catastrophe that we're seeing unfolding in Afghanistan, other than to say our president, boy, oh boy. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is complete incompetence. Um to say that he's, he's asleep at the wheel gives a lot of credit because he's not even at the wheel. He's on vacation. Uh, he, he came back. He gave this 10-minute straw man speech uh, basically saying, oh, you know, everyone agrees we should leave. So uh, remember, this is Afghanistan's fault. And uh, all right, I'll see you guys when I'm back from Camp David. He, he, it's absolute straw man. The, the issue that everyone is – what we're seeing unfold on TV – is this botched evacuation. His decision-making, or lack of decision-making, really, is causing an absolute crisis that did not have to happen. This has nothing to do with the war. This has nothing to do with any decision of do we stay, do we go. This has to do with how. And, and this, I don't think anyone can say, is in any way, you know, uh, what any president had planned for what, getting out of Afghanistan look like. This has spent, nothing to do with a war. This, this is just like absolute chaos in how you get out. He spent, Joe Biden spent 10 minutes blaming the people of Afghanistan, the Afghan military, Donald Trump. <laughs> then he concludes his speech saying the buck stops here, proceeds <laughs> to take no questions. Yeah. And then he runs back to Camp David. You can't make it up. You can't make it up. Uh, well, so listen, the Ruthless Variety program is on its way to Iowa, where we hope to have a, a light, we will have a lighthearted, great time. Everybody's going to have a blast. But we felt the need. We didn't plan. We, we actually taped a special episode for this episode, but what's unfolded over the last 72 hours, frankly, the minions deserve our, our unvarnished take in real time. So we're doing this Afghanistan React basically immediately after President Biden's speech, which was a, a, beyond a disaster, as was his reaction over the last 72 hours that included a picture of him sitting in an empty room at Camp David looking at a wall of, of briefing from intelligence units, which, by the way, included their station chiefs. Yeah. Right. And where Do they were. Station. Yeah, Doe Station and, and CIA headquarters. I mean – this you can't make this this up, you guys. This this is unbelievably bad, you know. And and I I feel like 
there are a lot of us who have known it, but there are people who have been around the Senate and around Joe Biden for a number of years. And when Bob Gates, the former Secretary of Defense for both Obama and President Bush, said that every decision, every foreign policy decision that Joe Biden's ever made was wrong, he spoke for absolutely everyone who's ever been around him. He has never, ever once had stable footing when it comes to his view of foreign policy. And the first major test, seven and a half months into his presidency, it, it would be impossible to have a bigger F than this. It's, it, I mean, so many people are, are, are going to die who didn't have to. So many people are going to get hurt. None of this had to happen is the thing. Like Biden is trying to just paper this over saying, oh, everyone agrees we had to go. So, th- so, so I decided we got to go. Sure. Everyone decided we have to go. But here's the thing is, it's like, you know, when, when you leave a bar at the end of the night, you know, you, you, you pay the tab, you, you collect your things, you walk out. Joe Biden just jumped out the window. That's not normal. Yeah, like, I don't that's remember not how things work. I don't remember the part of the Trump plan where we'd run for our lives and we <laughs> give the Taliban our Humvees and drones and armory. And then we've got, you know, people hanging from the wheels of planes trying to take off. Like, I don't remember that. I don't remember that being part of the Trump. Well, plan. How about the fact that they're, they're having to take off in a totally unsecured airfield because we handed over Bagram Air Force Base before we had our people out of the country. Are you kidding me? Like this is, he, he, this speech that he gave was a speech about whether or not we should continue to be at war in Afghanistan. The reality is we haven't been at war in Afghanistan in quite some time. We've had a significant presence there, drawn down to about 2,500 troops over the last couple of years that as we come to find out now, played a pretty integral piece to keeping safety and security of the men and women we had over there doing worthy causes. Now, you can make an argument about why everybody should be home or they shouldn't be home. Uh, That's an argument for another day. That's the argument that Joe Biden wants you to have. Yep. The argument that you should be having is, isn't it the least that a president can can do? Isn't it the lowest bar that you can cross to ensure that American servicemen, personnel, American USAID workers, translators who've helped in the capture of some of the most deadly terrorists across this world get out of there before they're beheaded by the enemy. Like, doesn't that seem like that's a, that's just, why aren't we, that's the only thing we're talking about here. It's the only, it's the only thing. And, and he said the buck stops with him. It was his decision to shut Bagram air base, you know, like uh, they, he, he, he made the decision so hastily the, the, the folks there didn't even notify uh, people in Afghanistan that they were leaving. They just like left in the middle of the night, right? Took their things, got out because Biden was like, we're done here. And uh, instead, now they're having to operate out of an airport, completely unsecured airport, which is why you're seeing people running at planes, trying to grab onto the wheels. People are dying because Biden doesn't know what he's doing. And he's trying to blame everybody except the person who's responsible, which is him. 
it just think about the desperation. I mean, these people are, are literally hanging on to the struts of an airplane that it's taking off, you know, facing near certain death because, you know, honestly, they, they've come to grips with the fact that they're facing near certain death either way. But, but the fact that this now has put our country in a place where we're responsible for that, we're responsible for that because, because he didn't, had absolutely no strategy to try to secure allies in the area or our own people in the area. I mean, come on. We, so we have Tom Cotton on today, fellas. Um, and we've, we've heard from Senator Cotton on a range of issues before. He's a great friend of the program. The, he did the first interview we ever did, probably just a favor to us, to be honest with you, because he's a good guy. But I, I called him this morning because I said, I, I just need your point of view on this. He served in Afghanistan in 2008, of course, served in Iraq as well, was an army ranger and everything else. And he, he has well-developed long-term thinking about everything as it pertains to Afghanistan. And I was like, we got to just get 10, 12 minutes of your time to, to try to sort this out. You will not be disappointed. It's a great interview. Yeah. And one important thing I think that has to be brought up about this is that this is not out of the norm behavior from Joe Biden. I mean, name a single enemy of the United States who's worse off now than they were at this time last year. Putin's got his pipeline, you know, and now Biden's begging OPEC to increase production. And, and they told him, no, no, not happening. Right. Right. We got, we got migrants streaming into the country through the southern border. It's an absolute crisis there. Virus is spreading, you know. Uh, China's expanding its dominance. They are really spiking the football now. Seeing, Which we'll get into. We'll get into. Yeah. Because if, if the people of Hong Kong or Taiwan are watching what just happened to our allies in Afghanistan, you got a lot of questions about yeah. the U.S. commitment. And there you go. That's why I think, okay, you know, the Taliban conquers Afghanistan. It's, it's you know... The theme I keep pushing, it's American decay. That's what Joe Biden's administration, that's what Joe Biden's presidency is. It, it, it's 100% is. I mean, that Republicans, I think, are in a strong spot here because everybody's spoken remarkably clear, regardless of on where you are on you know, whether we should stay in Afghanistan, whether we should get out of Af Afghanistan. Everybody's remarkably clear that at very least, you have to figure out how not to give away 20 years of hard-earned gains in an area of the world that is absolutely essential, doesn't regain the capability of attacking our goddamn country again, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody forgets about that, you know? We had terrorist attacks in this country in 1992. We had, in 2001, we had embassies blown up, Kobar towers. We had like five or six significant terrorist attacks in a 10-year period prior to 9-11, that all were sort of unanswered. 9-11 happened, it got answered. How many terrorist attacks have we had lately? Right? Something, something worked. Something worked. And and I, here's the thing is now, you know, with, with Biden's uh, chaotic, ridiculous, like unbelievable uh, mess of a, a, a botched escape is what this is. Uh, you've got Taliban who now have Humvees, They've got drones. They've got all the weapons that uh, the U.S. troops had there for the Afghan army. They're taking all that. They're driving around in Humvees. And, like, and, uh, they're they're gonna flying take, helicopters. They're going to take those drones, and they're going to take any intel they can get from our armory, and they're going to take it to Iran, and they're going to take it to China. Yeah, and China's already reached out. They're like, oh, yeah, 
uh, we'll recognize this guy. I think we could be friends. It's unbelievable. So we've talked a lot about about the the failures of of Joe Joe Biden here with this withdrawal withdrawal in Afghanistan. What what I still don't have clarity on is our intelligence services and our military you know saying that that they predicted that this would happen and biden didn't listen well so what we have from that front is i saw a press conference that was given by uh senate minority leader mitch mcconnell today in kentucky who addressed that question that you just raised directly and if you haven't heard the sound i'm sure it's available online um but he said he sat in intelligence briefings for the last six months and it was painfully obvious. Every single general, every single member of the military with any sort of intelligence expertise briefed, you know, what they call like a gang of six um, a, a, a frequently. And this was pretty clear that this was going to happen and that Biden overruled them. Basically the ideological uh, and political message of saying we're out of Afghanistan 20 years before 9-11 was the overriding goal, not the security situation. I actually asked Tom Cotton about this too in our interview. Wait to hear what he has to say. I just feel like, you know, we went from Trump can't leave Afghanistan because the Russians are putting bounties on American soldiers to actually that story was not true and we can leave Afghanistan and Joe Biden's going to do it. And I guess what I'm saying is like, I don't think this sort of intelligence, uh, you know, after we've seen the failure now uh, should be private. Like we have to have congressional investigations. People have to come before the open Senate and the open house and say what went wrong because this is catastrophic failure at an institutional level. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the Intel community is more concerned with Americans' Lego sets than actually having a handle on the Taliban's capabilities. Like, a weekend to take over a country? Are you kidding me? Like, uh, when, when Joe Biden said, he was like, oh, th- there's no way. They're not the North Vietnamese. This is, they're, they're not going to take over the whole place. Well, you know, guess the Intel community uh, really re- either didn't let him know correctly or like some folks are saying, tried telling him and he just didn't listen. I guess, so. and that, that's what I'm saying, dude, is like to get it that catastro- catastrophically wrong is like, un- like incredible. Yeah. It's such an incredible institutional failure of our country. Well, I guess the thing is, is that I want to be, be clear. I, I think that there should be, well, there has to be a significant, and I agree with you entirely on that, Duncan. But what everybody who has been briefed by the intelligence services and our joint, joint chiefs and everything else has said publicly without disclosing anything that's you know, classified is that it was abundantly clear to them that Joe Biden just didn't care. Yeah, he didn't I, care. But, but here's the thing, dude, is when Donald Trump was president, it's like they had a red phone to talk to CNN and MSNBC oh, yeah. Yeah. To, to say that, that Donald Trump was Putin's puppet and was giving away America. And now it's like unsourced in the bottom of some article is, oh, Joe Biden got this one wrong. And that's what I'm saying is like, I mean, some people have some courage and put your name on it and say, hey, I told Joe Biden, 
You know what I'm saying? I think we're gonna get that, dude. I hope so. You know what? We should we should actually get into that. The the whole thing of of Biden uh, also trying to blame Trump for everything is just is despicable. Uh, especially in that speech when he's like, "The buck stops here." The Wall Street Journal has this great uh, article on the situation. Um. Uh, talking about President Biden's statement on Saturday, washing his hands of Afghanistan deserves to go down as one of the most shameful in history by a commander in chief at such a moment of American retreat. Note that Mr. Biden is more critical of his predecessor than he is of the Taliban. The president has spent seven months ostentatiously overturning one Trump policy after another on foreign and domestic policy. Yet he now claims Afghanistan policy is the one he could do nothing about. This is a pathetic denial of his own agency, and it's also a false choice. It's as if Winston Churchill, with his troops surrounded at Dunkirk, had declared that Neville Chamberlain got him into this mess, and the British had already fought too many wars on the continent. <laughs> that's it right there. That's such a hardcore. I mean, that is, that's, that's, that says it all. That says well, it all. I mean, the Taliban took more questions from the national media today than Joe Biden did. It, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a disaster of the highest making. So he flies back from Camp David, which, by the way, Camp David's no treat. Like, I don't know why he's up there. He doesn't need to be up there. If, but if, even if he is, it's a working place. Like, give it up there. Anyway, he feels the need to come back to the White House to, uh, quote, unquote, address the nation. And they say he's going to be taking questions from, like, a handful of people, uh, which was offensive enough. But then he comes in and gives his straw man speech, the likes of which I haven't seen in a long time. Complete disaster. Straw men far more formidable than any defense he has of our embassy in Afghanistan, I should say. And, and then he leaves. Yeah, I think that's key. I think, I think you made a, something that we really got to acknowledge is that you can be for withdrawal from Afghanistan but realize that Biden's complete and total incompetence was not part of any plan. Like this is, this is not anyone's plan of, all right, let's just completely botch this. So, so that's the thing is they're trying to do the straw man approach and say, oh, the war's over. No, this is about the withdrawal, not the war. This is exactly, exactly. And, you know, if he gave a shit, he probably wouldn't have gone to Camp David in the first place. Yeah. If the administration was prepared, they probably would have had the national security advisor and a handful of top security and intel officials with him at Camp David, which, by the way, can easily accommodate those people, right? But no, they, they tweet out this, this picture of him by himself staring at a bunch of video screens. Like, what was the purpose of that? I, I don't know. I've, I've never been more scared in my, in my life than to watch this president sit alone in a, in a room like that. And, and if the optics of Camp David are so damaging that you have to return to give this address, then stay. Then stay in the White House. I mean, you're going to go back to Camp David now? They're really putting in more, they're putting so much effort into the optics and trying to look like they're actually giving a damn. If they should actually put that effort into giving a damn. Like, it's so much work. They're trying to do this, like, photo of, oh, wow, he's sitting in an empty room in front of a bunch of TVs, very presidential. It's like, dude, just go to the White House and do your job. Why don't you, you already do flew it? back. Just do your job. Right. Just do the job. And, 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 and quit blaming other people with the straw man argument. There's, a, there's this great point. Um, the, the, 
the agreement that he says, oh, we have, we have no choice. We have to follow this agreement. So, so the February 29th, uh, 2020 agreement was predicated on ceasefire negotiations. Bagram did not have to be abandoned. That was not part of the deal. Nope. That's Biden, right? And the first breach by the Taliban ended that deal. So when he says he was handcuffed, no, no. That's just him looking for excuses because he sees this is a mess and it's on him. It's his lack of decision-making and it's his lack of being involved whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, it's just shocking. I, I figured this might be the first moment of his presidency because you'll recall, like, he ran a campaign completely devoid of any sort of uh, moment where he had to defend, right? They just basically propped him up, put him on their shoulders, and carried him across the finish line. I'm talking about the media and the punditry yep. and everything else. Like, there was at no point did he ever have to deal with any controversy because nobody ever even came to him with any of that. Nope. And, you know, the fact, that, the fact is, is that the first six, seven months of his presidential career have, have basically been the same that we've been dealing with real issues, but we all like somehow he's not responsible for Delta variant of all these other things. Right. It's right, like, right. Right. This is the same Joe Biden and the Biden campaign and the DNC who blamed Donald Trump for a novel coronavirus with no cure that was unleashed by China into our country and said it was his fault. Right. That was their entire campaign. And now he's been president for seven months and coronavirus is still Donald Trump's fault. And guess what? Afghanistan's still his fault, too. It's just absurd. And, and I think that it needs to be addressed is the whole, like, oh, but Trump, you know, essentially talker that the left is trying to push here. Do you really think the most media and image-savvy president that we've probably ever, we've ever had would let this play out like this on TV like we're seeing? Absolutely not. Absolutely, like, this is, he killed Soleimani. Right, turned Soleimani into salsa. He moabbed Al Qaeda. Right, he choreographed uh, uh, like meetings with uh, Kim Jong Un. The guy was all about maintaining this image, and that's the thing is, it's the difference between negotiating from position of strength and cutting and running. Right, like everyone was all. Uh, you had these journals being like, "Oh my gosh, Trump's going to start World War III when he when he just absolutely destroyed Soleimani." Okay. That's why the world knew, wait a minute, this guy really could do anything at any moment, right? right. Now, now, this is what we have now is, is a cut and run strategy where China is mocking these images we're seeing on TV of America being kicked out because there, there, there was no plan in place. Don't listen to Biden. There was, there's no plan in place, clearly. When, when you have people climbing onto airplanes, taking off and dying when they fall, that's not a plan, all right? And there were choices that had to be made don't listen to biden's straw man argument i just don't i do not understand why he couldn't have provided close air support around Kabul until we got americans out i don't it, it will never make sense until we have an investigation i mean the, the honest answer is you're never going to get an answer to that until we take the house or the senate or both because, because here's the thing like if, if this was donald trump and we ended up in this situation he would have had a ten warthogs running close air support all around Kabul, right? Like he not would have had tough. It's not right. that tough, right? We've been doing it like they said for twenty effing years, and that's the thing is. So, so the U.S. essentially trained and armed the Afghan army in in a way of modern war fighting that that the U.S. engages in that requires air support. That's right. So when Biden decides, I'm pulling air support. I'm closing Bagram. Yeah, what does he think is going to happen? Uh, okay. You train these people to operate with their support. You take away air support. And now he's like, 
hey, why aren't they fighting? It, 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 it is. Um, look, this is, I know a lot of people have a tendency of looking at things that are happening way overseas. They don't have a direct impact on you. They do. They do have a big directing. For one, there's an awful lot of people in your community who either dedicate their lives, dedicated a, you know, a big portion of them for fighting for us in Afghanistan, that I hate the fact that any of them have to think that they were doing something that was in vain. That's why I keep coming back to the point that, like, look, our homeland has been secure for 20 years. That's not an unimportant detail when we're considering where we were in September of 2001, which we'll, of course, have to commemorate next month. But I also just think that, that what this guy has done to demoralize this nation, in addition to what's happening, demoralize this nation because of the message that it sends to all the people who sacrificed everything for us over there in Afghanistan is, is unconscionable. I really, I, I can't believe we have to have to, to deal with this, with people being evacuated from embassy ceilings again, from, from, the horror of those Air Force jets taking off with Afghanis hanging on the struts. I mean, my God, the last thing that this country needs right now is the weakness, the abject weakness of a president who is either too dumb, too incapable, or doesn't give a shit about what this country projects for the rest of the world. That's it. That's it. He's on, his, his only concern, I mean, you, like you brought up, his campaign, was hiding in the basement. Now his presidency is hiding at Camp David. When, when it hits the fan, he, he's not there. And, and he'll run with an argument, blaming other people for what's, you know, the buck stops here. He just blames other people for his problems and he tries to avoid it. He's like, listen, I know, I know the press is on my side, guys. Give me a break here. You know, he's just hoping, let's, 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 let's wait for the news cycle to change because that's what matters to this guy. It's, it's not actually doing the job of a president. It's not leading a nation. This is not leading. Not this is not leading. leading. Getting chased out from an, from, from an airport with people clinging onto a plane is not leading. No, it's not even close to leading. I, I saw, and this is, I'll, I'll wrap my views with this. I saw Mike Waltz. You recall we had him on the program two or three months ago who basically warned us of this, by the way. Remember he had some extended comments about the need to get people out of Afghanistan. And he disagreed with the Biden administration's plan to withdraw all of our troops. But he talked specifically about if you're going to do that, you need to get people out. I feel like everybody who's got questions needs to go back and, and, and listen to that interview. We did a couple months with him, but I saw him today and he was talking about if I were in Taiwan or Ukraine watching all this unfold, I would be terrified knowing that this is the United States, this is how they will react under this administration, which is the larger point, right? You've got allies across this world that have largely been able to stand their ground against whether it's Russia, whether it's China, you know, real problems in their area, in large part because of the promise that the United States would be there if the worst should happen. Well, what kind of message is this, does this send? And we, we really should get into the China thing. Like China's already said they're prepared to develop friendly relations with the Taliban, right? They, they, yeah. Afghanistan has an estimated $3 trillion worth of mineral resources. They got gold, platinum, all of it, you name it, right? And, yeah. and China knows the deal. 
they don't care about, you know, they have no concerns with uh, human rights. They're all about getting the resources to become, you know, the dominant power on earth. That's their entire focus. And Joe Biden's utter, utter lack of leadership and, and, and just weakness just invites China to fill that vacuum. China's like, wow, well, if, if it's that easy, if, if Joe Biden's going to do nothing, the world is our oyster. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's just as easy as, and I don't think that's a particularly complicated, <laughs> you know, of course that's what's going to happen. Yep. Of course it is. But it's just this weakness, you know, it makes you just feel, I, I don't recall any time in the last, you know, decade plus, two decades plus, ever feeling this impotent from a country standpoint. And, and we, we don't need to like uh, go f- very far back to see what leadership in a situation like this looks like and what a lack of leadership in a situation looks like. When, when Obama calls ISIS the JV team, lets them run amok yep. and take over Iraq. Luckily, you know, then President Trump shows up. He doesn't la- launch a land war. He doesn't launch an endless invasion and nation building. He bombs the hell out of ISIS. He, 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 he rips them to pieces, right? right? And then they learn. I, you know, success begets success. They saw the U.S. was coming from a position of strength. And so they, they backed down. You know, it's like the schoolyard bully. You punch him in the mouth and it's over, right? But now when, when, when Biden is just showing this utter weakness, I mean, in a weekend, the Taliban just took over. Unbelievable. Yeah. We talked about this once before, but there was a certain promise growing up in the Reagan era that you just kind of, it, it lasted for a couple of generations in, in this country, that you were born into a country that was, that was strong enough and cared deeply enough about its citizens that if you could be anywhere in the world and they'd get your ass out of there, right? And that anybody who screws with you, particularly a state sponsor, has got a real problem, right? These guys didn't care enough to get their own embassy officials out. That wasn't important to them, right? They abandoned an Air Force base that we'd held for 20 years before getting American personnel out of country. I mean, what does that say? Is it, is that, I mean, look, I'm, a, I'm open for suggestion. Is it pure incompetence? That's what it looks like. Could, could it be worse than that? I don't know. It's, it's, but I keep going back to Bob Gates. This guy's never made a good foreign policy decision is his entire life. And you know what? It didn't used to matter. It didn't used to matter because he wasn't president of the United States. Now he is. Here are the consequences. That's exactly yeah. it. That's exactly it. I mean, I think we said it right there. We should just get straight to the interview. Let's do it. I want to welcome to the program uh, a very good friend of the program, somebody who we've heard from previously, but whose expertise in this area is absolutely essential at times like this. A man who has served in Afghanistan Senator Tom Cotton, welcome to the program. Josh, thanks for having me on. Listen, this is, um, this is about as tough of visuals as you're ever going to see uh, in the aftermath of a foreign policy decision. I just want to get your, your sort of top-line uh, reactions to everything we're seeing out of Afghanistan. Josh, what's happened in Afghanistan over the last few days uh, is sad. It's tragic. It was avoidable 
and it's humiliating for America, a strategic catastrophe that will be with us for many years to come in places far afield from Afghanistan. Uh, And this catastrophe was not simply predictable. It was predicted by so many people when Joe Biden made the decision, which was ill-planned and poorly executed, to withdraw our troops from Afghanistan in April. Um, And I want to separate the decision to withdraw our troops um, on which reasonable people disagree and from how Joe Biden has executed that decision. Right. Um, Again, he made that decision in April and announced it in April. Um, I understand when you're sitting in an office in Washington working on a computer or shuffling papers, you don't have much connection to the realities of the world around you. But anyone who has served in Afghanistan knows that April it's the start of the fighting season. Right. It's when the snow melt occurs in the mountains. It's when the days get longer. It's when the Taliban often come out of their hide sites in the mountains or in Pakistan. And the fighting season goes for six or seven months. So what Joe Biden did was announce at the very start of the fighting season, not only that we were going to withdraw our troops, but we were going to do so by the politically uh, beneficial, but tactically dangerous date of September 11th. Right. which is, again, at the peak of the fighting season. And there's no reason to do so other than Joe Biden wanted to be able to crow that we had withdrawn all of our troops from Afghanistan before the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And now Joe Biden is responsible for Taliban flags flying over Afghanistan once again before the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Oh. Again, you can, put aside, you can put aside the decision to withdraw uh, on which reasonable people disagree and recognize that how that decision was implemented has been catastrophic. If, if the president had simply stalled for a little more time, if the planning had been better and more deliberate, if he had listened to the warnings of the military and our intelligence agencies and conducted this later in the year through the end of this fighting season, I don't think we'd be seeing the chaos we have now. Right. Plus, Plus, even if he wanted to rush us out, Josh, some of the decisions he made totally hamstrung the Afghan army, and it set them up for failure. We've trained them for many years to fight like the United States Army fights, which is to say with close air support. That's not something that countries like Afghanistan often get. But if you train someone to fight that way, and then you pull the rug out from underneath them, of course they are going to be hamstrung. And again, and I'm not even necessarily talking about American Blackhawks and American Kiowas and American Apaches supporting Afghan troops. I'm talking about Afghanistan army helicopters that were serviced by American civilians, not even American soldiers. Yet Joe Biden got all of those personnel out. He basically got all of our troops out while he left thousands of Americans in Afghanistan. In some cases, as I've heard over the last 48 hours, behind enemy lines. As um, Americans who cannot reach our State Department have been contacting my office uh, at our urging to try to at least get some information on what our government is telling them. Well, this I want to get, I wanna get into that. the first order. Yeah, I want to get into that because you you have been quite vocal on this for months. But now that this sort of chaos is unfolded in real time, your office has actually been working pretty hard to try to find Americans, as you said, in some cases behind enemy lines. I mean, give us a little description of, of what you're hearing from these people. You know, the, the scale of the incompetence uh, only struck me over the weekend, Josh, when I had 
an old high school friend contact me because he had heard from one of his friends who is stuck in Kabul in a safe house behind Taliban checkpoints. Oh. Um, this, this American in Kabul, it, you know, he's not a ex-military, he's not law enforcement, he's not a security type. He was there doing uh, NGO style work and he has three fellow Americans with him. Uh, and, and I couldn't believe that he was being told locally, shelter in place and log into the State Department website to fill out an e-form and wait oh. instructions. Oh. Uh, as the Taliban were setting up checkpoints. I mean, I think any, any of us would have assumed that, that surely the Biden administration would have planned more effectively than that. And surely before we brought home all of our troops and closed down Bagram Air Force Base, over which we had total control, right. that we would have ad- identified and located all the Americans and given them explicit instructions, not shelter in place. So uh, on Sunday afternoon, when the scale of the incompetence struck me, um, I, I simply posted online that any American or anyone who knows an American stuck in Afghanistan should contact our office. Now, look, I, I can't set the manifest on a aircraft out of the Kabul airport. I can't you know, open the gates there to American citizens. But at best, we can do what we do for our Kansans every day, which is give them a name and a face and a phone number or email that they know they can make contact with. Right. And in the, in the scale, in less than 48 hours, our office has been flooded with hundreds and hundreds of calls, not just from our Kansans, but people around the country as they learn that I'm willing to at least try to make sure that they know that someone has heard them and someone has logged their name and phone number and where they are in case they turn up missing and is trying to get information to them as best we can. But it, I mean, We've had reports, too, of the State Department servers crashing or their hotline numbers being overwhelmed. Again, the scale of the incompetence here in implementing the decision to withdraw uh, is uh, really unbelievable. Well, at what, help me exp- understand something, because I, what I, I just flat out don't understand is why you would ever relinquish control to Bagram Air Force Base before every one of your assets is out of country. Why would you ever do yeah, that? It's uh, it's totally mystifying, Josh. Um, you know, someone has been in and out of Bagram, I can tell you it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, you have several thousand yards of visibility over flat terrain before you even get up into the hills. Uh, it's chosen by design for that reason, of course, because right. it's very easy to secure. Um, Kabul International Airport is kind of right in the middle of Kabul, a city of six million people. Uh, which is much harder to secure, as we've seen over the last 48 hours. Um, and it's uh, beyond beyond my understanding. I think it defies common sense that we would have closed Bagram Air Base without even an orderly handover to the Afghan army, by the way, right. and recalled Sc- Scotty Miller, um, our great general uh, who was there until last month, without a plan to have all the American civilians in uh, Afghanistan, whether they work for the United States government or not, located and a plan to withdraw them. I mean, the last thing you would think you would turn over yeah, is your secure air base. The last person you would bring home is your four-star uh, commander and his troops, whose only remaining job there was to secure an orderly uh, and well-organized exit from the country. Is it true? So we've got we've had a fair amount of media reports suggesting that there were also prisoners, terrorists who who were being held at Bagram, who have essentially been set free. Is there is there is that a true story that we're hearing? 
Um, it is true, but it's worse than that, Josh. That's true of prisons across the country. I mean, the right. Afghan government was holding not only 5,000 prisoners at Bagram, um, but thousands of prisoners in aggregate at other prison sites around the country. And, and as capital after capital has fallen and the Taliban has taken control of the instruments of government, such as they are in Afghanistan, some of the first things they have done is open the gates to those prisons. And do those prisons contain, you know, petty criminals, murderers and rapists and thieves? Yes, they do. But they also contained hardened Taliban and Al Qaeda warriors who are now back on the battlefield. Now, so there's no question in your mind. I mean, this is this is going to reconstitute into a credible threat against the United States and our allies. There's just no question about it. I, I don't Boy, you would have to be extremely Pollyanna-ish to think otherwise. Um, how can you turn over Afghanistan to the Taliban, which harbored al-Qaeda, which is setting up once again an Islamic emirate governed by Sharia law, and expect them not to provide safe harbor to terrorist groups like al-Qaeda and ISIS? And oh. in fact, it's worse than it was in the late 1990s and the early 2000s, Josh, because now they control all of Afghanistan. Remember, when we invaded the country after 9-11, we did so through the north and organized the so-called Northern Alliance, a group of tribal militias who were the primary ground fighters to topple the Taliban. The Taliban in the 1990s never uh, gained control of the northern provinces. Now they have control of all the provinces. And they have all the weapons and equipment that were left behind. And they have the prestige that comes with this ignominious exit of America from their territory. Right. Uh, it's hard to imagine that a Taliban riding so high, stronger than it ever was in its first uh, governing period, will not be emboldened to support organizations like Al-Qaeda and ISIS again, and that Afghanistan will become what it was, a safe haven for terrorism, which is precisely the reason we entered Afghanistan in the first place exactly. and the core interest we've had there for 20 years. And on top of that, what does it say to the rest of the world? What do you think Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin are saying to, uh, quietly now to places like Taiwan and to Ukraine or to even our NATO allies about what they can expect from American resolve while Joe Biden is president? Oh, well, last question, I'll get you out of here. This is a, just an absolutely horrible situation. Is there anything that we should be doing, in your view, that President Biden and his team need to immediately change to try to prevent this from becoming an all-out catastrophe? I mean, Josh, at this point, it's become such a catastrophe uh, that even mitigating the harm here is still going to be uh, deeply, deeply dangerous for years to come to the country. I mean, the first priority has to be saving the American citizens who are left in Afghanistan. Obviously, there's been a lot of media attention on Afghan nationals who cooperated yeah. with Americans or assisted Americans. And to the extent we can identify those Afghans and we can safely screen them to ensure that they are not a threat to the American people, we need to do what we can uh, to help them evacuate the country. But we have to put our own people first. And every American citizen in Afghanistan needs to be a urgent priority for our government and for the Biden administration. It's sad that it's come to this point where mitigating the harm is simply protecting Americans who are inside of Afghanistan and don't know what to do. But that's where Joe Biden's incompetence and impotence has left us. Golly, that's exactly right. It should be a low bar to clear, but that's where we are. Listen, Senator Tom Cotton, I want to thank you so much for your time on this busy day. Thank you, Josh. Take care. 
So I, first off, big thanks to Senator Tom Cotton on short notice, giving us his view, of course, very succinct and well-educated. And I think all of that was uh, very well taken. Yeah. And uh, again, to try and end this on somewhat of a lighthearted note, folks, by the time you're hearing this, we are either in or en route to Iowa. Yeah. Duncan, yeah. Do you, you have some details yes. of some events? Yeah, so we've got the Minion Meetup Tuesday night at the Iowa Tap Room at 8 p.m. Central Time. And then Wednesday, we're going to be at the Iowa State Fair at JR South Pork Ranch. And yeah, I mean, I, I think Holmes mentioned it at the top of the program. You know, we had, we had planned to put out um, a, you know, what we're calling deep dive episode because we're going to be en route. And then, you know, we lost an entire country over the weekend. And so we had to record this. We're remote again uh, on, on the Zoom, but um, we will be recording all Wednesday at the fair. Um, and, you know, we'll be putting up a, a Thursday episode uh, of all our shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. And we may, we may do the deep dive. We're going to find a good spot for the deep dive. We, we, we want people to enjoy it because it's a really important program but you can't do it when you lose an entire country and you've got the images that we have on tv right now you just have to address it and i guess that's that i mean uh good episode we again we appreciate senator cotton taking time yeah i know his office has been busy trying to help folks get out of afghanistan uh it's a horrible situation but it had to be addressed so until next time minions keep the faith hold the line and own the lids we'll see you on thursday stay ruthless